0: The holiday season is my absolute favorite time of year. We find the biggest Christmas tree available, we sing holiday songs, and most important of all, we Bake. I love baking traditional Swedish holiday dishes, but I also love trying new creative recipes from other cultures. That's where Bon Appetit comes in. Packed with recipes and trends from all around the globe, how to videos, and mouth watering photos, Bon Appetit is not only an indispensable resource for cooks at all levels, it's also the perfect gift for people who love food and people who don't love food. (laughs) Right now, Bon Appetit has an exclusive offer for From the Heart listeners just like you and just in time for our holiday shopping. The regular price for Bon Appetit is $15 for a one-year subscription. But for a limited time, you can save $5 on a one-year subscription plus get an exclusive Bon Appetit Don't Worry, Eat Happy tote bag. It's a gift that keeps on giving for yourself and for your loved ones. And yes chocolate. The Bon Appetit box offer includes a one-year subscription plus a special Bon Appetit gift box packed with goodies like the delicious guitar chocolate, an exclusive chocolate chip toffee recipe from the Bon Appetit kitchen and a Jacques Pepin spatula all easily gifted in the included Don't Worry, Eat Happy tote. Give the gift of food inspiration with a Bon Appetit subscription today. Use promo code YOGA for a special discount and start shopping right now at bonappetit.com slash getBA That's bonappetit.com Getba promo code yoga slash get BA. promo code
1: yoga hi and welcome to the podcast from the heart with olivia Rothschild. today i have a very special guest here at the studio the one and only rachel Brayton, also known as yoga girl You all know her as the Instagram yoga and life guru who went from bikini pictures on the beach in Aruba to rant mania about things like feminism, baby sleep training, body image and much more. As old high school friends, travel and work partners, baby mamas and each other's maids of honors, I know Rachel as a party animal, crazy dog lady, the bestest of friends and a real diva. (laughs) She has the smartest intellect, biggest heart and most explosive energy I know. Every day, I wonder if she has a secret way of putting more hours into a day. She's a manifester and sometimes a pastor. She's incredibly naive, yet the most aware person out there. She is the definition of contradictions, with an open mind, but only to the things she likes and agrees with. <laughs> Rachel, very welcome to the takeover of your own podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going
0: to die already. I'm sweating. Thank you so much for having
1: me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad you're excited. So um, we received a lot of good questions. And in honor of the most asked questions, uh, I've renamed today's episode to From the Fart. (laughs) (laughs) From the Fart. Yes. From the heart to From the Fart. It is, without question, the most asked question. No. (laughs) No. Why? So far. I don't know. (laughs) But I want to start our conversation on that end. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Uh. And ask you uh, the first time you farted in front of Dennis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Why are people
0: asking about farts? That makes no sense whatsoever. Probably
1: because everybody farts but nobody talks about it okay that's interesting probably because you're the host and you do talk about farts Mm,
0: maybe (laughs) (laughs) maybe um the first time i farted in front of dennis actually like okay i'm not lying now i'm not a farter like i'm not a public farter i'm not a like a casual farter who just farts whatever um a couple of years in i would say uh, and and I kind of I kind of remember the first time I farted, and it was loud enough that he turned, and then he looked away, and he didn't say anything, <laughs> and it made it
1: much worse. <laughs> he knew, and you he knew, knew, and I knew, <laughs> but no one said anything. And
0: then, uh, yeah, now I mean, now he's seen me give birth to a child, so he's seen everything and
1: worse. <laughs> so yes, there are no barriers anymore. No, and so but. Not to leave the fart subject just yet. A lot of questions were about the funniest story of farts and yoga classes.
0: (laughs) Farts, oh my God, yeah, no, I have so many. There are some tricky poses. (laughs) There are some tricky poses, and I know the feeling. So I, um, I had a really loud queef in a class once. (laughs) Like, queef is the, you know, the fart of the vaginas. Like, they should be more celebrated. But somehow they, I don't know, people are more embarrassed about queefing than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think queefing is awesome. It just means that your vagina has superpowers. It can contain air, (laughs) birth a child, (laughs) can do all these things. But I had a really loud queefing situation in class where, like, the class turned around and saw that I had, and it sounds like a fart, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and the worst you thing acknowledge is- acknowledge it? How can it was like in the middle of class, but oh. I wasn't teaching, you know, <laughs> but all those people knew who I was because <laughs> we're in my yoga studio <laughs> so and I was just funny. mortified, mortified. But I, when, I, when it happens in class, I had it not so long ago that there was a really loud fart and it was really clear. Like it was in one of those quiet moments in between speaking in class and everyone heard it. But I, you have to just breeze through it, you know, you can't address it because they might be mortified. So I just ignore right. and I just dive into something else. But yeah, totally normal. We should fart more <laughs> yes, or at should. least talk about farts more. Maybe I should rename the podcast. <laughs> Maybe or not. I don't know. Keep it from the heart. <laughs> Maybe you should start a parallel podcast <laughs> <laughs> from
1: the fart with Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually not a farter either. No, but your husband is. But my husband is, and my baby is even worse, which is pretty normal. So we were touching upon that a little bit as well. And I happened to mention it during my post. So a lot of questions came in about that and pooping during childbirth. So I wanted to actually raise that because I think more people should know it happens and not be afraid of it happening. Because the attitude of our husbands when we were talking about it was pretty relaxed. So what, do you, what do you have to say on that subject?
0: Pretty, pretty awesome! Oh my god! I was just wondering, like, what are we going to talk about with Olivia leading the show? <laughs> Farts. And poop. We're gonna get
1: we're gonna get to serious subjects. No, this I promise. Is, this is
0: awesome. We need like a break from all the serious subjects yes, we've had yes. lately. No, this is very good. Um, I think it's actually a much more important subject than you would think because a lot of people, a lot of things that I hear from other um, pregnant women or people that are pregnant are. Uh, really nervous about pooping during labor. And I've actually heard from from a few midwives that I spoke to that there, it's a big reason why people hold back during the push right. contractions because they're so terrified of pooping and then it's, you know, much harder to birth a child if you're at the same time holding back because of course when you're pushing for your life you can't distinguish if you're pushing a little bit of poop out or if it's the baby like you can't feel that um and it's just a natural part of the release of the body like it happens no big deal but you brought it up but why did we talk about that over breakfast today it was something
1: about it was about denises and and your mom's (laughs) barriers (laughs) so we can drop that
0: (laughs) My mom had a thing with that is where she had to say, we have no barriers anymore. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not going to go into that. But then we spoke about that. And then Patrick said that it happened to you during labor. And it was like, whoa, like, no big deal. But like, yeah, it was like a real one. (laughs) And I was like, what? I didn't even know that. How was it like? He's like, well, I don't know. Like, they were like... You know, so chill about it. And then I said, I'm like, well, it didn't really happen to me. I think maybe a little bit. But Dennis was behind me when I was pushing, like holding my back. So he didn't see. And then he came in and he was like, oh, my God, there was poop. when You (laughs) You had the baby. But it was so interesting because the midwife, she had her glove and she just wiped it away and then carried on. (laughs) And he did this motion with his hand like (laughs) like he was wiping the poop. And I was just, oh, my God, like this is where we are. The four of us, we have no fucking... (laughs) We have
1: such boundaries. no fucking boundaries. No,
0: <laughs> no. but I think everyone should just embrace the idea of maybe pooping a little bit when you push your baby out.
1: Yes. I think it, it makes the pushing much easier. Like, just go for it. I mean, if you think about that, then you can't. I don't know how. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. No. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> then we talked about that. So um, before we get into some more serious questions, what do you think? Are your three worst habits according to Dennis? Oh, I know oh. one. Which one? Okay, S- say first, uh, see if, if I'm right. Three, two, smacking. Chewing with my chew- mouth open. Yeah. <laughs> smacking, not smacking. Smacka.
0: Yes. No, <laughs> 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 That's the Swedish translation. Smacka in Swinglish. Swedish means to chew with your mouth open. Yes. Oh hell yes, that's number one. No, and the thing is, like I, I am a, I am a mouth breather. Like I'm always a little stuffy, like because of allergies and stuff. Less now now that I'm vegan again, but I chew with my mouth open, and I'm a loud chewer, and it annoys him to the degree of like. I don't know. I don't know what to compare it to. He hates it so much. But like, I was always a loud chewer. And then whenever he gets upset, I'm like, you knew this about me when you asked me to marry you. Like, you (laughs) committed to a life of loud chewing. That's just what it is. And I've heard your food tastes better if your mouth is open. But no, that's for sure the number one. Number two probably is my controlling side. Mm. Like, my micromanaging. Mm. Yeah, I'm always the backseat driver of everything, Um, which he has kind of a relaxed... Like, he's kind of relaxed about it now. Like, if I, if I ask him something, I'm like, hey, um, like with the baby, I'm like, you think you could, uh, could you feed the baby smaller bites because the food is all over her face and then it goes all over her hair and her clothes and I have to change her. I'm like, do you think you'd feed the baby smaller bites? Which is like, why am I saying that even? Like, I should just let him be. And then he's like, hey, honey, you know what? I think, I think I'm going to feed the baby smaller bites. <laughs> <laughs> He does that with everything I say, as if it's like a genius idea His he just idea. Had. Yes, yes, yes. I'm like, hey, can you take the trash out? And then he's quiet. And then five seconds later, you know what? The trash is full. I think I'm going to go take the trash out right now. That's a like, good way of handling Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it's really yeah. good. Yes. Yeah, so we never fight about anything now. Mm. Number three, I don't know. I don't know. What a noise. I'm like, what do we fight about? You have to ask him. What would the number top three be? Yeah, I will. (laughs) (laughs) I have only two annoying things. Nothing else annoys him. Actually, not at all. Not at
1: all. (laughs) Nothing else.
0: No, it probably related to work or something like that. Mm. Oh no, I know what it is. Oh, (laughs) he doesn't like it when I burn bridges. Ah yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, we spoke about this yesterday. The ice cream place at the Marriott. Yes. So there is a, a new ice cream place that opened up here in Aruba. And we don't have a lot of stuff. So like when something great opens up, everyone gets really excited about it. And then this ice cream place, it's like a gelato place. And they have vegan ice cream. And everyone was talking about this vegan ice cream and how amazing it is. So I went there with the baby and my mom and Dennis. And they had these um, kind of popsicles with chocolate and stuff. Like really ice creams on a stick. Mm-hmm. So good. And then I asked the lady and she says, oh, we only have one of them vegan. And it's this one. It's the orange, orange sherbet one with... Um, with like an orange chocolate or whatever. And I think I asked her five times, like, is this vegan? Like, you're sure? She said, yes, yes, yes. And I heard other people say it's vegan. So I really trusted it. And then the next day or two days later, I came back and I was like, oh, I'll have the vegan uh, orange one. And there was another lady there and she was like, oh, but the chocolate's not vegan. It's made with milk. And I was like, what? How are you selling this as vegan if it's not? And I got really upset, of course, because the baby tasted the ice cream and it had milk. She never had cow's milk in her life. Like, I was really upset about that. And then for a few days, I was saying, I have to go back and talk to these people. What if someone is allergic? Like, they don't know what they're selling. Like, I get really fired up. And then Dennis gets so embarrassed because he doesn't want me to go there and burn the bridge with a good ice cream plate. So he's like, don't say anything. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. And then finally, I went anyway. And I just said, hey, like, kindly, just so you know, you know, one of your employees is pushing this ice cream as vegan, but it's not. In case someone has an allergy, like, you want to know. And the next time we came, there was a big sign. And it said, we take no responsibility or accountability for dietary requests or allergies. <laughs> And then I felt like it was a success. But yeah, that's Dennis's, like, he hates it. He's more of a diplomat. He's a non-confrontational person. Yeah. Maybe that. No, anything. Yeah, no, no. He always, like, backs away. If I get fired up about something, he's like, I'm not a
1: part of this conversation. (laughs) So, so yeah, those are the top three things, for sure. (laughs) Okay, okay. Yeah, I I I can agree with him on some things. What are your top three things that annoy you about me? About you? Yeah. Well, chewing with your mouth open. I agree with that. <laughs> are, you, are you guys gagging up on me? Is there an intervention coming? Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Two other things. See, I'm such a perfect person. Yes. I'm it's just the chewing. Mm. Only the chewing. The, the, the chewing on, on drama, maybe sometimes. Chewing on drama. <laughs> yeah. the I'm thing. trying to work on that. Yes. So I know. I have gotten better. Yes, have I not? Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah. When was it the worst?
1: <laughs> Chewing on the drama. You mean like <laughs> yeah, fueling drama, or like yeah, or holding on <coughs> to it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, let's not get into that. The drama. <laughs> no more drama. No I love that song. No, but let's get um, into some some uh, serious questions because you're on your way to LA for a cover shoot. Yes. And I know and I can tell that you are very nervous. Uh, You're nervous both to leave Lea Luna for the first time, obviously, uh, which is very natural. But also, I think, for the shoot uh, for this big magazine, right? So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, body image and especially post-pregnancy. Yes, big one. Yes. And uh, a lot of questions came in about that. And also... Uh, personally, since I also had a, a baby before and the comments I get when I see people just like, oh, did you actually just get a baby? Wow, you look so good, blah, blah, blah. And when I post pictures, I feel like I don't want to convey an image of, of like you should be look normal after zero time after.
0: No, because you were one of those, like, I mean, I guess people would say it's like you're a lucky person because you just bounced back. I fucking hate that fucking yes. term. Yeah. But I love that you're not, like, one of those people who's just, like, posting, like, look at my awesome, perfect flat belly, like, five seconds after I had the baby. Like, you're not doing that, but I think you're really conscious about it. Yeah. And okay. it shouldn't matter what you look like after. No, that's no. the
1: thing. So how, how do you deal with that? I can also talk a little bit about how I deal with that. But how, how do you think we should have this conversation? And how do you feel as an influencer that your responsibility is, uh, you know, to show up? I
0: think it's a really hard conversation because we put so much pressure on ourselves as new moms already. It's already like the most intense, overwhelming, challenging, fucking difficult and most beautiful, you know, experience all at once. Like so much is going on. And then I feel there's so much of this pressure put on how you look post-pregnancy. And if all this energy goes there, then we start feeling like we have to direct energy toward that right away. Like after just having had a baby. And, and those were like, when I had, I had Lea Luna, those were one of the first questions that I would get from so many people. How are you going to get your post, like, you know, your pre baby body back? Like, how are you going to bounce back or snap Mm. back? Like, Mm. like, like, that was the first thing that should be on my mind. And then I started thinking because I got those questions. And even people that I would meet in the studio or like, what are you doing, you know, just to get back and to lose the weight and stuff. And then I started thinking like, oh, wait, I have to think about that. Okay. Everybody expects me to think about that. So then I should also think about that. But actually, I'm not interested at all. No. But I feel this societal like type pressure to get into that. So I I don't know. If I'm having a bad day or I'm stressed or pressured about something, automatically that voice in the back of my head that tells me like, oh, wait, it's been eight months. Shouldn't you like you shouldn't you should be back to the way you were before or maybe like look even more awesome kind of like Mm. one of those moms who just (laughs) get super skinny after they have their baby Mm. but if I have a good day and I'm anchored and grounded like it doesn't even occur to me then I just look in the mirror and I'm like oh my god I look so good yeah you know like it's just so it's really more about for me grounding myself and feeling at peace within like it sounds really cliche but it totally affects how I the thoughts that come up when I look myself in the mirror completely completely
1: yeah, yeah. And I even
0: had yeah, so now I mean, <laughs> part of the reason why you're hosting this podcast today is cuz I was like in the kitchen half crying that I'm going to LA and mm-hmm. freaking out about leaving the baby and the pressure of this big shoot. Um and this shoot, I mean, it's a it's for a wellness magazine, it's for Women's Health in the US. Huge magazine, like one of the biggest, you know, female w- woman magazines out there. So it was kind of like I didn't want to turn it down. It's a big thing. I'm really honored that they would think of me and and it's connected to these four other influencers. So kind of talking about the future of wellness or the future of fitness and, uh all the other women, I mean, I'm going to meet them tomorrow or the next day, like, I'm sure they're super awesome and really beautiful, but they're really fucking fit. (laughs) Like, they are like, you know, like those people that that post workouts on Instagram every day, and they're like, you know, really into fitness, 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 like being toned and being skinny and being thin and and all that stuff, Um, which can be great for inspiration. And a lot of people, you know, we should focus on health and of course, like fitness and wellness, there's nothing wrong with that. I am just like a little more on the softer side both physically (laughs) in my body right now and also in my approach to what wellness means like for me wellness is more about self-love and you know how can I like for me personally how can I come back to that grounded place where I automatically look at myself in the mirror and I think I look beautiful versus the stressed insecure judgmental voice so not so much how can I work harder at my body so I'm more toned and more fit and then feel good about who I am but more how can I work on inviting more space for self-love so that that judgmental voice doesn't even have to be there.
1: Right. Do you have any like practical advice on how to work on self-love? There were some questions about that as well and I know it's really difficult to cut out you know the thinking oh what are they thinking or being afraid of being judged um, at all times but how do you do you have any like really hands-on advice um for self-love yeah and this is so
0: so interesting we talk about this in our retreats and teacher trainings and, and stuff a lot so the single best way to get out of a negative thought pattern or if you're beating yourself up about something or you start feeling really worthless or you know maybe you're having one of those shitty body image day days where you look yourself in the mirror and, and just all you can think about is how you should be thinner or more fit or different um <laughs> it's a really nice contrast to all this but the best way to get out of that your head in that moment is to get into the body and what's the way best way to get into the body is to move your body Mm. but there's a really different you know you have to approach that with the right intentions how can I get into my body by through movement um to feel right not to change or to shape or to fix or alter something like those are such different things So it's not about okay i'm gonna like step on the treadmill and i'm gonna burn 800 calories right now (laughs) you Mm, know mm. or i'm gonna do this every day for x you know this very structured idea that we have about exercise or movement in a way to lose weight to change what we look like not that i'm talking about getting into your body in a way um, that allows that judgmental voice to just be quiet and that usually means you have to kind of drop into this vibe of a child almost Like I like to turn music on in my living room super loud. And just for one epic, awesome song, I'll dance around like a maniac, like, (laughs) like a crazy person. Like if someone saw me, they would think I was having a seizure, like that type of dancing or yoga. You know, if yoga doesn't have this mind or ego attachment for you, if you can find a, you know, drop into a practice that's really heart centered, um, or, you know, go swimming or go running or just do something, but get into the body, not for the purpose of changing it. Um and then we need to practice self-love every day. Like we need to practice how to counter that voice. So when that voice pops up of like, Oh, you look so fat. Now my voice is like because in the beginning I was like, Well, I just had a baby. I just had a baby. I just had a baby. Mm. And that was my response to that voice. Like Mm. you should lose some weight. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I just had a baby. Don't talk to me like that. Like I tell myself. But now it's like, how long can you say you just had a baby? Like, I just had a baby eight and a half months ago. Can I say that in two years? I just had a baby. <laughs> I don't need to have a reason or justification to look the way I look. No. At all. No. And I had to go through this now with this shoot where I'm looking at all these other women. I'm going to be on the cover of a magazine and a sports bra. Like I have stretch marks, like I have a belly flub, like it hangs over my yoga pants. Like not at all. Like flat stomach fit, nothing like that. I'm just, I am who I am. I'm the way I am. And actually I'm kind of, content and happy about that but then with this thought of I'm gonna stand next to these four super fit awesomely toned crossfit type like fitness women you know I start getting really insecure so I called the magazine and I was like hey I just want to make sure that you know when I arrive just so you know I am not this traditional fitness person it's not what I promote I'm really excited to be included with this in this big feature and to be on the cover of course but I just want to make sure that you're going to have clothes that fit me you know Mm. Because probably they're going to be all size zero or, or size one or two or whatever when I get there. And this woman was like, I mean, she was very kind. She was like, but what do you mean? I don't understand. And I said, well, I had a baby eight months ago. Um, and I haven't, you know, I haven't done any type of shoot where I'm like in a bikini or in a, in a sports bra or anything like that. And I just want to make sure that the clothes you have fit me. Like I'm a size large now. I'm not a size small medium. And her response was, oh, oh, okay. I mean, it does take some women longer to bounce back. And then I was like, and I know she was trying to be really, she was trying to be kind, like, oh, you'll get there,
1: you know? Understanding.
0: (laughs) Understanding. And you'll get there. Is this your Mm. first? Oh, okay. But then I hung up and I was like, why are we so ingrained in this idea that we are
1: supposed to bounce back? Is there anything like bouncing back? I mean, can you (sighs) get back to a body pre-birth? Is that possible? I don't think so. No. Like, things
0: aren't the same <laughs> like they're probably never going to be exactly what they were it's going to be my body now and if we keep looking back at like oh that body was the better body we're never going to be content now and i if i keep going like this i'm going to have two years from now and look back like oh when i just had the baby like i was so beautiful mm-hmm. then you mm-hmm. know but i want to feel beautiful now i don't want to wait now. i know mm-hmm. we are beautiful now and it's it's so hard to get those and i think also like you know because you have that skinny flat belly already and then you get those comments of like oh my god you look so amazing and people read that and then you automatically feel like oh i guess i'm not like how can i work harder so that i can you know yeah
1: yeah and i really don't want to convey that message and people ask also so what have you been doing to look like that and honestly (laughs) nothing. (laughs) except i can i can say breastfeeding like if anything uh, and I really don't say that you should breastfeed for these reasons, but if it can convince anyone to breastfeed, then it's just good. But man, he eats everything I have. So right, <laughs> but that's also a nice response. Like it's a nice thing to say.
0: I think you could do that when people ask, "How did you get there?" Like, actually, I didn't do anything. This is my natural anatomy. Yeah, you know. So, like, this is just who you are. Everyone is different, and I would love. I mean, for anyone listening who feels insecure or feel like things should be different. Um, just think about all the energy that is, you know, that your mind takes to that place of, I should be different. I should be thinner. How can I work harder? How can I, all that energy can be, can go to something better. You know, if you spent that much energy building yourself up, talking about how great you are, how beautiful you are, the good qualities you have, you're an awesome mom. I mean, we would, I think the world would look pretty differently if we spoke to ourselves with that kind voice instead. Yes. And I'm not saying we should sit on the couch forever and eat Ben and Jerry's until we, you know, feel like shit. No, like we should all move. No, Mm -hmm. of course not. Mm -hmm. Like I do yoga every day. Mm -hmm. Come on. Like Mm -hmm. I'm at the studio practicing yoga 60 to 90 minutes a day. I sweat. I move. I have a healthy diet. I eat a lot of chocolate. I drink a lot of wine. But like I'm a healthy person. Um, I'm just not trying to change. I'm just not trying to, you know, get abs back or whatever. I'm just moving in a way that makes me feel good. And I want that to just be enough that is enough yeah good but we'll see where this where this shoot goes i was thinking like if i get there because it's such a big magazine and it's in los angeles and i know the vibe of these types of shoots like it's like and i was thinking what if what if i get there and there are no clothes that fit me like what if that's a real thing will you go naked then (laughs) (laughs) i'll be naked everyone else will be in their like super (laughs) cute little like shorts and i'll be i'll just be naked (laughs) Imagine those four girls are glossy and like <laughs> looking perfect. And then I'm standing on the side, like looking sad. No, I cannot picture that make at it, all. Make it, make it sad. you standing
1: sad. Make it No, improv. it'll
0: be good. No, but I think if that would be the case, I think I would publicly talk about that in my social media. Yeah. For sure. Yes. Like, I don't want to, you know turn any you know fight against any big publication like you don't want to create like drama for no reason but maybe if it would open eyes to something different maybe i get there and it's like the most body positive thing ever right it's just hard to think because i look back at the covers that they've had and it's a size zero woman every fucking month
1: right but they did
0: invite me so
1: i mean that says a lot so so. they think you're a size zero, (laughs) or or they just you know there is change happening. There is change, definitely, and you you are contributing to that also, and just doing, I mean, making it what you want it to be. And can that, you, can that's you just good. come with me? Mm, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here taking care of the podcast, running the studio, so <laughs> <laughs> take over everything. Can you take care of Dennis too, please? For sure.
0: You are listening to From the Heart: Conversations with Yoga Girl. If you have been tuning into my podcast, you've heard me talk of the bra of all bras. It revolutionized the industry and after years of avoidance, even brought me happily back on the bra train. Ladies listening, you deserve this amazing comfort. This holiday season, give yourself the gift of third love. Third love uses thousands of real women's measurements and super smoothing memory foam to create bras that are crazy comfortable and make you look and feel great. Third love offer bras in sizes double A through G as well as their exclusive half cup sizes. With over 15 styles, including strapless and plunge, there is a bra for every holiday party you are dressing for. If you're not sure about your proper size, you can chat with a fit specialist or take their fit finder quiz as you shop from the comfort of your own home. Because Third Love knows it's the season to spread cheer. They're offering you 15% off of your first purchase so you can feel and look your best this holiday season. Go to thirdlove.com slash heart right now to upgrade your holiday style with a perfect fitting Third Love bra and get 15% off of your purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heart for 15% off of your first Third Love bra. Thirdlove.com slash heart. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off.
1: But on, on that matter, because we're talking about these things that actually bother us women a lot, I mean... Um, Body images bother men as well, mm. but uh, women a lot. Um, you, you've recently become a, a very big role model, uh, female role model. And you've been speaking out about the issue of sexual abuse in the world, but also specifically in the yoga industry. So first question is what spurred you into this? Like, wh- When did, you, did your consciousness uh, shift and you became more aware of this problem? I mean, I think a year ago, if someone
0: would have asked me, "Are you a feminist?" I would have been like, "Yeah," but, and I would have had a mm. thing there. Yeah, you know, because I wasn't, I wasn't feeling really confident in in labeling myself in that way. I wasn't really, um, I don't know, just just sharing the word feminist, and all of a sudden, there's controversy connected, which I now understand is like ridiculous. <laughs> thing it just means if you're pro-equality like you're a feminist that's that's all it all it is but this specific year I don't know if it is from having the baby like I'm raising a baby girl I can also I've been very overwhelmed this year as a woman like juggling a lot of stuff um, and had some confrontations in in ways where um, I don't know where I felt judged because I'm a woman doing what I do. Mm-hmm. But then uh, I think the peak of this, or maybe the inception of, of me really speaking out really loudly, was our 109 uh, mission trip about sexual violence that we had in Sweden in August this year. Yeah, and it was, mean, we booked that trip like long ago. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, and back then it was okay. It was, so, so if you if you didn't know, uh, so 109 is our global mission foundation that Olivia runs. Of course, you guys know that. Um, and then we had this trip. In Sweden, where the funds and the awareness that we raised went to a hospital in Congo that led by a doctor who's really famous, Dr. Mukwege, who uh, supports and heals and and the surgery and and helps women who are who've suffered from really overwhelming sexual violence and and rape. Mm. So it was a really heavy subject. And we had a link there. Uh, and I wasn't really thinking too much about it. I said, of course, this is a really important subject. Like we have to raise this awareness for this women, these women in Congo. I think both of us were like going into this trip thinking about Congo and the Congolese mm-hmm. women. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we had 31 or 32, 32. Uh, women participate and everybody, you know, sends in intakes and kind of about their past and their yoga practice and if they've had any traumas. We always ask these things before so we know the the you know who we need to take, give extra, extra care to and things like that in the group. And then in the intakes i think 50 or 60% of the women wrote that they had they were a survivor of sexual violence themselves which is really high for a group i thought i was like oh my god of course we're attracting you know women that have suffered for the, from from this themselves and they want to now help other women these women in, in africa we're going to support <clears throat> and then the group started and it turns out the real percentage was like 90 95% yes definitely. i mean pretty much every woman in that group had mm-hmm. a major Uh, trauma like Mm -hmm. a major trauma from sexual violence um and we started raising these questions in a really real way and of course we were you know supporting this hospital far away (laughs) but what happened in the group as we started talking about these subjects and sharing and speaking up um this massive healing began to happen within the group and we realized like we're not just here to help the Congolese women. Like this is something that happens in our own backyard, like in our own day-to-day lives. And then you and I, for the first time, we've never talked about this stuff, Mm -hmm. like in this way, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: started looking at our own, like what's our own history here in relationships, in between relationships with guys we've met, with strangers, being out at a bar, like, you know, and little things started just trickling in.
1: Yes. Big things. Also, I mean, I can honestly say that, it wasn't until then that I really understood what sexual abuse is. Yes. Like, I didn't know.
0: No. It's so, it's so normal. Mm-hmm. So many of these things were like, yeah, but that happens all the time. Right. And then we had uh, some amazing speakers that were there at the trip, um, including Tordis Elva, who uh, I did a podcast episode after this. After this trip that we had, you can, uh, if you're listening and you want to tune into that episode, Turdis uh, Elva, it's about overcoming and you know, it's about forgiveness, but it's about being a survivor of, of rape. And just her take on this, how she spoke, uh, it clicked something. I mean, in both, in both you and me. And I started mm. thinking about these things that I always brushed off as normal. Like having my ass grabbed, I don't know, mm. five. 1000 times in my life like it's just a normal thing you don't even really say anything like I wouldn't even like if we would be somewhere out dancing and a guy would grab my ass and then I would go meet you I don't think I would even tell you no. because mm-hmm. it's not like I think oh my god that guy grabbed my ass like that's so common you wouldn't even say anything and that was just a minor thing compared to all the other things but as I've been unveiling I've been kind of like I'm, like I've been peeling off the layers and the surface or the more superficial, less heavy things came first. Like, oh, that wasn't so okay. Mm. Oh, that didn't feel good. Or that, da da, 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 And then I've been kind of uncovering some deeper stuff. And I'm wondering if there's deeper shit that I've pushed away that I don't even yeah. remember right yeah. now. Because mm-hmm. little by little, like, and I shared a podcast of last week was my own Me Too stories. Um, and there's a scenario in there that I had with my, with an ex-boss. Two things that happened with a person who was really close in my life who I trusted and I didn't tell Dennis. Because I felt so ashamed. And I felt like I must have had some part in this. I must have invited it. There must have been some mixed messages from my part. Like, how did I, what did I do to deserve that from him? Self-blame. Self-blame, completely. Mm. And then when I shared this with Dennis, he was just appalled. Like, why didn't you tell me? Mm. Like, are you kidding? You know? And it just didn't even occur to me because I thought it was my fault. And now that so many women are speaking up, we're looking at this in a different way. And it's like, actually, like it's not okay mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that we think it's so common that we don't even think it's worthy of mentioning shows just how messed up this society is yes and now i just feel like it's my responsibility to speak up and to to talk about these things and to to use my platform for for a greater good and to give other women voices and i know when i speak up about mine other people feel like they're safe to speak up about theirs and like okay well I mean, and every time you share something of yours, I also feel like, okay, like I feel, you know. I can share. Yes, But validated. also about the,
1: not, it doesn't have to be a huge trauma or like an actual rape, but these small things that also that are aren't so. That aren't small, but we no. label
0: them small because it's not, I wasn't brutally raped in an alley and taken to the right.
1: hospital. So we need to talk you about know. those things that happen in our everyday life a little more, not the things that are in media with, with the title, you know, uh, Rape yes. woman a raped in dark alley.
0: alley. And what Tordi said, which this stuck with me too. She's like, in the media, that's what you see woman raped in festival, at festival, woman raped at nightclub, woman attacked. It's like, why is it woman was attacked? Why never isn't it about the man hmm. raped woman in a dark alley, or man raped someone, or man perpetrated? Never. It's always like the woman is in the headline as a victim, but you never speak about these predators.
1: Or boyfriend raped yes, girlfriend which is even I mean, more even more common this is so common and and people think that it's not a rape just because you're in a relationship. Oh my God.
0: And and that was one of the things that um, for as long as there's this, so she calls it the monster myth. Mm. So for as long as the media keeps kind of giving this image of the people, the predators out there, they're not in your family. They're not your friends. They're not your boyfriend. You know, it's some random stranger lurking in an alley like a monster. And if you're really unlucky, they will kind of attack you and then, you know, something will happen. Well, it's not true. Like Mm. a really high percentage Okay, I need to verify this, but I think it was above 70% of... Above, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Perpetrated by a boyfriend, a husband, someone that's really close to us in our family. Yes. And for as long as that's not spoken about, it's just, it makes it even more impossible for these things to, to, to come up into the light, for people yeah. to actually feel, feel like this happened. Like, can a, can a, can a boyfriend rape me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if it's a no, if you're saying no, yeah, of course. But that was just such a, a foreign... A foreign concept, you know, yes, like my consensual. body is my body, if it's not a yes, it's a no, if it's not consensual, it's not okay,
1: yes, so okay, I'm going to ask a pretty difficult question but I'm going to ask it anyway. Mm. what, according to you, is the single most important thing in the fight against sexual abuse towards women <sighs> i okay, we've only been having these
0: conversations now for I mean in this depth for a couple of months. Mm. And it was after the trip that we had with 109 that the Me Too movement came out. Like I feel like after there's so much momentum through it happening now. I'm I just today published Me Too the yoga stories about um, women that have had horrible things happen, um, you know, from their yoga teachers or someone they thought was a guru like within the yoga community. And I used to think, okay, we need to speak about this more. We need to not blame ourselves. We need to. you know, not name a woman a victim, but a survivor. Like we need to shed light, light, light. We need to be empowered to speak up and to out the people that do this. But the more I I go into this subject, like we need to talk about the boys. Like we need to talk about the men, like what kind of men are we raising? And it also goes into like our husbands and you know, both you and I were super blessed to have really gentle, sweet, humble, amazingly loving husbands. Mm. But they are both Aruban guys. They grew up on an island that's really, really machista, mm-hmm. which means like like I t- tell this story a lot. The first time Dennis ever took the baby out downtown on his own, like I was teaching yoga or something, and he took the baby out, a woman approached and asked if he was a widower, mm. because you never see a man alone with a baby. The men here just they don't take care of the baby. Like the fact that he's a stay-at-home dad is insanely controversial on this island because the women have the babies, the women have the babies alone. Often like the guys are not even present at the birth. The men are not even allowed to stay at the hospital (laughs) because they're not considered a part of the family unit. So this culture of this island is... Um, You know, the woman stays at home in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and and takes care of the babies and cooks and cleans and this and this and that. And it's really common for a man to have several kids with several women and and not really be present with them. Like, that's the culture where we are now. And we have two husbands, you and I, who are, you know, for having grown up here, like, I mean, it's totally at level with... Having grown up in Sweden, like, really equal, you know, supports us like crazy. Both of them are kind of stay-at-home dads. Like, Mm. it's really beautiful. Mm. But I see the way they talk to their friends, their chat groups, like, photos, like, jokes about, you know, sexual jokes, sending photos of pornography, like, little stuff like that that's just part of their, like, guys being a guy. They're just joking. I see that a lot in the big groups of guys. Not when they're alone, ever, but especially in these chat groups that I fucking I hate these chat groups. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I feel like we have to just exactly the same way as we're educating small girls like don't wear provoking clothes or don't walk in dark alleys. We need to tell our boys always look for consent. Like educate them about what consent is, about what sex is, about what intimacy is. Not like even that. Questions. Like
0: starting at like it needs to be okay for a boy, or a man to be vulnerable. Yeah, That's the thing. Like what we deem a feminine quality, you know, if we raise these boys, boys should be boys and boys should play with monster trucks. And if a boy falls down, it's like, come on, be a, be a, be a big mm-hmm. boy, stand up. Mm-hmm. And I saw that already, like, you know, when Hunter and Luna were really little and they were both crying, there was like, I can't remember who it was, but they were both crying and they were like, oh, Looney, it's okay, little yeah. angel. And then Hunter is crying. It's like, oh, come on, Hunter, that wasn't so bad. Be a, be a big boy now, you know? And just that response as into like, it's not okay or as okay for a man to cry. Yeah. And we teach the boys that from a young age, like they should man up and soldier on. But a, a girl is so fragile, little flower. And here's your princess book to play with. And, you yeah, know, waiting yeah. to be rescued by some prince. Like you can so start there. so many things there. we do in our approach to people that we don't even Yes, that we don't even know. It's it. just inherited. Yeah. But yeah. I think, in you know, raising vulnerable boys in a way that it's okay to cry, to feel. Mm. Like there's a reason that men are these predators, that they are in most cases, these perpetrators of violence, like there's a reason. If you spend your whole life pushing emotion under the surface, never, ever feeling like it's okay to cry, like it's okay to be sad, like you're going to turn into a pretty tense and aggressive person. Yeah, I think starting in that space and anytime, I mean, with adults too, like we're doing now with Dennis and Patrick, if there's like a joke and it comes out like that joke just is not okay, like at all. Mm -hmm. You need to chape reshape like you need to be the one who speaks up in that chat group and says hey guys maybe we shouldn't joke so much about women's asses right now you know yes. maybe we should kind of scale back on that a little bit <laughs> and, and change that's the conversation when you
1: how prevalent it is
0: everywhere mm-hmm. yes everywhere and we are not even involved in these dude talks Mm -hmm. like we don't know we just see what what surfaces and seeps through to us but Mm -hmm. i think the men have to also be the ones to speak up and not perpetrate like rape culture or you know the music that we listen to the conversations that we're having the jokes that we're making you know it needs to be it's not a women's issue Mm -hmm. it can't be a women's issue like this is a humanitarian this is a global world issue
1: so another question Because these are like important things to talk about and you can talk about them in, in your social media and, you know, create awareness about it. But how, how do you personally make feminism a part of your everyday life? And it's, I have like a few
0: like specific things that I do now, especially through business. And I never thought about this before, um, before this year, uh, Right now, I am so conscious about who we hire, what companies we choose to work with, um, where our money goes within our companies, within our businesses. If I have the chance to hire a super competent woman, I will. Mm. I will. Mm-hmm. And then, and me and is we don't fight about this, but we discuss it sometimes. He's like, well, if you have two equal people and they're both equally good, you should just have like, you should just roll the dice and go with whatever the dice says. And what I'm trying to explain is, we don't have a level playing field yet. So you can't just roll the dice and just randomly choose. Like I would rather continue choosing the woman, the woman businesses, like businesses run by single moms, by mothers like working really hard to make things work out at the end of the month. Like, I'd rather support women right now than the men. And when we arrive at a place where the playing field is a hundred percent equal, then yeah, roll the dice and pick the man or the woman shouldn't matter, but it's still the truth. Like, woman makes 71 cents to the dollar of a man. And it's even less if you talk about other ethnicities and other cultures than the white woman, like it's, it's not, it's not level. And even in Sweden, which is like one of the most equal countries in the world, like it's compared to other countries, Sweden is way, you know, way ahead. Most CEOs, you know, owners of companies, businesses that make the real decisions, there's still a middle-aged white man up there. Yeah. Yeah choosing so it doesn't matter if you have these quotations where you have to hire X amount of women to balance out the men if those women are not advancing in the work field if they're not ever you know reaching that CEO level or of actually running um, running the economy the way the men do right now we're not going to see that major change so I had that like a real thing that happened. It was this year we had to, we're having some restructuring happening in our, in our businesses. And I live in Sweden, but we're also in Aruba. We have a business in the States, like it's a lot to manage. So we had to hire um, a big international tax firm to help us with our international taxes to make sure that we're covered. And it's a huge thing. It's so much money. It's like a big, big, big thing. And of course we went to one of the biggest uh, companies out there and we had meetings and it was just I remember we showed up for the first one. And it's like, we're spending insane amounts of money on this. And it's like three middle-aged guys uh, wearing suits, kind of like Mm. awkward. And then we show up with the baby, the stroller, the diaper bag, Ringo, me and Dennis, you know. And I'm like, hey, how are you? How are you? Nice to meet you. I'm Rachel. And I see these guys, like they look me up and down and then they see the baby. And it was not okay. Like the face was like, oh, you brought a baby to a business meeting. Like it was just... There was, yeah, he, he yeah, like, yeah. he had like a little pause before he, oh, you brought the, the child, <laughs> like that, you know. And then we had the most awkward meeting where they were like, you have to do this and this and this and this and this and that, and uh, with, with our taxes and with money and, and investments. And uh, it was a serious meeting. And then she pooped mid-meeting. And I'm like, okay, I'm guys, I'm going to have to change the diaper right now. Like, I'm not going to leave the meeting that I'm running to go change the diaper in some weird bathroom. <laughs> and I just put her on the desk and I, you know, take the diaper off. And these guys, they were just like I was crazy. Like it was just, you know, and then I had to breastfeed and then all that. It was just a really weird meeting. And as we left and we're like, hey, well, we're going to hire this firm. And then I sat there and I was like, you guys, isn't there like a woman <laughs> that yeah. we could hire to yeah. do this work? Does it have to be the middle-aged white man, the middle-aged wealthy white man? Isn't there a woman, like a competent woman in the same field that we could just... Higher, like not just for the sake of me being comfortable bringing my baby to these meetings, but is there a woman we could elevate? And then everyone at the table was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> why aren't we looking for them? Because that's not what was recommended automatically. It's not what we got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now we have a woman running that side of our business and it's awesome. And it's a totally <laughs> different vibe and it aligns. So, I mean, raising the women's voices whenever I can't, like I'm, I'm always going to do that. And it doesn't mean that we have to hate on the men or anything like no. that. It's just... Women have spent centuries, you know, being pushed and shoved Mm -hmm. and not having a seat at the table. Yeah. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I love my bed. Snuggling into a soft bed at night instantly melts away a long day and waking up to cozy mornings in bed with my husband and baby always sets the mood for a day led by love. My time in bed has been made even more sweet by the comfiest bedding we cuddle into, bedding from Parachute. Parachute creates its products with conscious standards that I'm proud to support. Parachute manufactures its products in family-owned factories in Europe's regions that are renowned for creating amazing bedding. Each product is carefully crafted by fairly paid employees and the fabrics are 100% natural, made without the use of any harmful chemicals or synthetic softeners. Parachute also gives back both locally to Habitat for Humanity and globally to the United Nations Foundation Nothing But Nets. With a modern design of timeless natural color palettes inspired by Venice Beach and premium fabric that only gets softer with use your bedding creates an absolutely beautiful impact both in your home and in our world this holiday season, share the love of a great night's sleep with your friends and family. Visit ParachuteHome.com slash Yoga Girl for free shipping and returns. And check out the new baby collection, including swaddle blankets, quilts, and luxurious cashmere baby blankets. Everyone will love this next-level sleep experience. Visit ParachuteHome.com slash Yoga Girl for free shipping and returns. Try it out for 60 nights, and if you don't love it, just send it right back, no questions asked. Go to ParachuteHome.com slash Yoga today
1: so three things that you would say to your teenage self because we've kind of like developed now and become much more aware of everything and the things we went through when we were younger what would you like to tell yourself when you were a teenager as a girl or woman
0: i mean i would say like you're worthy of so much more so much more jesus And even then, like I kind of had this skewed idea that, um, you know, the the successful people in life, like it was always a man, Mm -hmm. you know, it was always a man. It was always, if if there was someone around that had a lot of money or that had companies that was successful, it was always a guy. And then there was like a woman on the sideline. Um, And I think I had this kind of skewed idea of what it meant to be successful. Like you have, you had to have these very masculine qualities, Um, you know, so I wish I had, I had it instilled in me at a younger age, like Uh, one, you know, women do have a seat at the table and it's major. And also leadership qualities are not only masculine qualities. Like it's, there's something really beautiful about leading with vulnerability, about leading, you know, a team through love rather than through fear and through, you know, drilling this super strict, like, you know, this kind of harsh um, masculine side of leadership that we see a lot in the work field. I wish I was told when I was younger that, Um, it's okay to honor and hone these softer qualities and still be able to lead and to guide and to have a voice. Um, Because I think I I went, you know, I didn't think I was very worthy. And I think to get ahead, I thought I had to be super harsh and like, Mm -hmm. you know, like kind of a fuck you attitude a little bit. Have that a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit still, but no, to be worthy and to, and, I, and sexually I kind of, I wish someone would have sat me down and just had a major conversation about consent. Yes. Because I didn't know no. and I was never raped. Like I never had, you know, but there was definitely questionable moments in my life where I went along because I thought that's what it had to be, mm-hmm. um, where now I would have walked away like a hundred percent or screamed, or said something, or filed a report, or at least, you know, spoken up, where I just, you know, probably didn't even tell anyone because that's what it was like,
1: you yeah. know. And it was probably your fault because yes. this is the... Stuff. Yeah. Good, yes. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the fight for all of us. Hmm,
0: thank you. I mean, and you you helped me so much with that. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, well.
0: your platforms now are, like, I can tell when you're having a fiery, <laughs> a fiery week because all you post is like... It goes up and down. It goes up and down. No, yeah. I know, I know. No, but, but I, I mean, how do you feel? Because you are raising a boy.
1: Yes, and I'm so excited about yes. that because I feel like I'm contributing to feminism just by having a boy. Yes, yeah. No, and but I'm also very. Um, um, I I try so hard to think like how am I integrating feminism into my everyday life? The first big big step for me is recognizing what it is. Yeah. Like, there's so many moments uh, in out there, like when you're walking out in, on town or talking with a friend or hear somebody else talking. Uh, there are patterns that are just not okay anymore, but they're so rooted, so you don't even notice like them. Like what? D- just having, a, for example, a picture of a girl when you're doing a marketing for whatever what. Yeah. I mean, that's old, but it's still so out there. Did you see that big uh,
0: billabong scandal no. the surf brand billabong oh yes yes yeah, so it was on their homepage, and it was like on the left men and women mm-hmm. it said like to wear, to wear to to purchase apparel and on the men's side was this super cool surfer in like a big air like a big jump and on the women's side it was a girl in a thong bikini lying on the beach that's for the surfer girls that's where you go
1: you know it's just
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah but those things and they go unnoticed because we are so used to them and that those are the things we need to start questioning. And that means we have to be a pain in the ass. Mm. And that was what I've realized lately, because like you said, a year ago, I would probably not say, or I, I would also say like, I'm a feminist, but, but, you know, yeah. I, yeah. but today I, I understand that feminists have to be a pain in the ass sometimes and like be questioning everything. But
0: it's so ingrained and we're, we're taught to, that's also the thing, you know, we're taught to not believe a woman when she says, this happened to me. Like, that's just kind of what's ingrained in us as well. And I'm, the, the hardest thing for me now with this Me Too thing, because I'm becoming this voice and I'm helping mm-hmm. other women raise their voices. And not, of course, not everybody likes this. I'm also mm-hmm. putting myself in a really liable situation where these men that are recurring in the stories that I am sharing right now, like they could come and attack me. And a part of me is like, bring it dude, like, come over here and let me, like, let mm-hmm. me do some damage to you because yeah. um, I am lucky enough that I have a platform that has a lot of power. Like, I can, speak, I can speak up and people listen. Not everybody has that. And the hardest thing right now is the women who are not being supportive. So women who either don't get it or what I'm sensing is women that may have a man or may have someone in their life where they feel like, you know, I'm unsure about this person, but I love them. Like, what do you do if there's a person Mm -hmm, that you love, mm -hmm. but they also, of course you're going to be protective about it. Yes. Or Mm -hmm. maybe you had a situation in your past that you don't want to deal with, but I'm getting a lot of messages of like, okay, enough with the me too already. Women abuse men too. And I was like, you pulling an all lives matter now. Like Mm -hmm. people don't, (laughs) I had so many of these arguments. Like there's a reason that the black lives matter movement Mm -hmm. was elevated because it's, urgent and it's needed and it's real it's a real issue like why do you have to minimize that issue by saying that well other people like other ethnicities that all my lives matter of course all (laughs) lives matter but like we don't have to a white person doesn't have to fucking worry about getting pulled over by a cop like that's not what the issue is don't minimize it by shifting awareness and direction somewhere else and same here like women abuse men too yeah not really (laughs) i Mm -hmm. mean it happens sure Mm -hmm. of course and we shouldn't say that those things aren't horrible and like that's okay of course that's not okay but nine in ten or more of cases of sexual violence is perpetrated by a man and that's the issue at hand so yeah all lives matter clearly but that's not the point right now and yeah women abuse men too sure but that's not what we're talking about so stop distracting yourself like it's just a fucking distraction And I don't want, I don't know, when a guy writes me something, I don't even think about it. I'm like, okay, you're just, you don't get it, like, just move on. But when a woman writes me, like, can you stop now? Can you get over the Mm -hmm. me too thing? I'm like, why the fuck are you not standing up for your gender? Like for, for your mother, for your daughters, for your sisters, like for your, for the tribe, you know, we all have that responsibility. Like we need to say something now. Mm -hmm. We can't have this, like we can't have Lea Luna and Hunter grow up and it's, and it's like this. No, fuck no, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and but I hope it's not going to be. So many things are changing. I am, I'm positive, but, um, but also I see that we're, you know, everything we do and say and how we act plays a huge role. So we need to be. Aware. we need to be
0: mindful and also Mind. as and i mean both you and i we both have platforms and we're both vocal and we're both empowered like we have you know we have a lot of prerequisites i guess in our life to stand from and shout like this and i think a lot of people f- don't feel empowered or what can i do mm-hmm. but we all have these conversations you know we all yes. have these moments in our day-to-day life where we can change something or speak up or you know make a difference in our own way and i think we all we should all get on board so we can really make this change for the future generations because yes. it's now it's not later like mm-hmm. it has to happen now now mm-hmm.
1: oh oh my god we could i think we could continue talking for a very very long time but i know that you have to leave because you're catching a flight Well uh, remind me <laughs> i don't
0: want to talk about
1: that no but i want to uh end with one big question everybody asks and also me. This is a personal question for me. Uh, how do you know that you're on the right track?
0: If you're having an existential crisis. Maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, self-doubt. Everybody yeah. has it. Uh, and and uh, n- even super successful people that, you know, are doing what they're passionate about like me, <laughs> or whatever, um, uh, have, go through self-doubt. so And struggle. And struggle. Yeah. So how do you know and how do you remind yourself
0: to stay on track? Mm-hmm. This has taken me a long time to figure out and I still need to have these epiphanies of like, oh yeah, I get it again. Again, I need more lessons about this. But I think when you are on the right track things are fairly easy. Not saying that you're not going to have challenges to overcome and things like that. But when you are living in line with your core values, when you are creating something that's stemming from a genuine intention, you know, when you're anchored in your own truth, life flows. Like there's Mm. just, it's like you're with the current and yeah, you're going to have ups and downs and like a little bump here and there, but you're going to feel like, okay, things are flowing here. There's going to be an energetic connection. Um, and then sometimes, you know, we get really stuck with this idea in our mind of this is where I'm supposed to be heading or success has to look like this. We want to stay in this box of I'm going over there. I invested a lot of time here. I, you know, I, mean, I was raised this way or I went to school for this. So my career is over there. But then life is like, well, you know what? Like there's something over here, you know, and then we, we're not ready to embrace that change. And we start banging our heads against the wall with the same fucking thing mm-hmm. again and again and again and again and again. Yeah. And I think that's when the universe is trying to tell us, you know, there is a change needed here, a shift, a shift of perception, like a shift of act, like something needs to change. Um, But the mind likes to hold on to the structure of the idea of the end game that we, the way we saw it. So for me, I mean, I see it all the time. Like right now we have one of our brands, we've invested so much time, so much money, a lot in it Um, and it's just not thriving and it's not really clicking and I'm not feeling as passionate about it anymore but we have so much invested in it so it's like well we can't just stop like of course not we can't just stop like we did all this work Mm. but it's still not really working and I think every month that goes by I'm feeling a little more drained or new issues pop up within this Mm. brand you know And I kind of know deep down, like, yeah, we're supposed to take it a totally different direction, but it requires a huge leap of faith. Might mean that I lose a bunch of money. Might mean that I lose credibility. I meant, you know, there is a fear of loss there, but I have to, I have to probably jump, you know? So I think, how do you know you're on the right track? Yeah. If you feel in tune and that's also like when you are on the right track, that's when magical shit starts to happen, you know? like synchronicity of different kinds, you think about someone and then randomly you meet them the next day or you look up and you're just blown away by like the beauty of the sky. Like you have little moments of just being in tune and in sync. Um, that's when you know you're on the right track. So if you, ha- if you don't have that and you're struggling, 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 I think a good thing could be to reevaluate why am I doing this? Right. And if you lost the why, like if you're doing this, the why, because I want to change the world
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then we get stuck somewhere else and like, okay, the why, like how can I get back to that or infuse more of that? And that's always the thing for me, why I want to, I want to provide tools for healing. I want to change the world, like in many different ways, mm-hmm. but it's easy to get caught up in this. Well, like we could also make a bunch of money, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or we could do this or we could grow this into this huge thing. Yeah. But that's not the purpose, right? It can be a byproduct, fine. But if you get stuck in that purpose, when that's not the reason you started, life is going to give you a lot of obstacles and it's going to become really, really challenging. Yeah. So, not saying that you can't have abundance and make money and, and still do good things, of course, but you have to stay aligned. Struggle. You have to stay More aligned. To yeah. Mm-hmm. The love has to be there. So, yes. Okay. Thank how you. do you feel good. as a host of the show, and you know, as a mom, and as
1: this has been very interesting to sit on this side of the table <laughs> and um, get to ask you anything. I mean, we talk a lot in our private lives, so I know. But it's always interesting to have... Even this little hour to, to, to have to just dig into these topics and talk. And get real about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
0: know. Yeah. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> maybe you should come on and co-host the show.
1: <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, maybe we have so much to talk about. So maybe we'll have to do more episodes <laughs> when i hosting. I think so. I think mm. so. No, but it's fun. And um, I think it's so important. Like, I i what you do is so important i i was never a big yogi or whatever i do yoga and i love yoga but i never saw myself as a yogi you know that but um what i think that you do and that's so 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 important and why i've also started doing that a little bit on my own platform is that is to talk about real things and um being very transparent and um, putting a more humane touch to to everything that's out there and especially on social media mm-hmm. and and that is i think my purpose behind also 109 and 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 what i do is that it, it's it's so important and uh we're late on it <laughs> <laughs> i mean we need to just start getting real and be more humane with each other and uh, stop being our own worst enemies and yes self-love all
0: the way and then we I think we forget because we also leave these lives where we have kind of a conscious vibe around us like we're with we spend time with people that think about these things and you know but there's a whole world out there filled with people that just beat themselves up about everything every day right you know and yeah. there's also a lot of and I know this is part of like you're in my next next step, next part of, of what we're doing together. But um, there's a lot of influencers out there, a lot of celebrities, a lot of people with a lot of power, especially within social media, um, that don't think about this at all or maybe don't realize the power that they have within their platforms mm-hmm. when it comes to how people treat themselves.
1: You know? Yeah. And not only the, the responsibility or opportunity that influencers have, but also all the people out there following people and the communities, you have the power or you're putting the power into these people. So so choose wisely and choose the people with the right values. Exactly. So yeah. Hmm. On that note. On that note, <laughs> follow Oh Rothschild on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this has been really really fun. Thank you for letting me um, do a takeover of your uh, from the farts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so blessed.
0: So nice to be on this end of the, of the <laughs> table.
1: I love you. I love you. And have a great time in LA. You will be fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening. I guess <laughs> me or we will see you next
1: week. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode featuring my best friend Olivia Rothschild as a host and myself as the guest. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Huge thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work, and of course, thank you to my sponsors Bon Appetit, Third Love, and Parachute. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.